You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back, everyone, to the Level Flight Podcast. We're at episode 20. That's insane to me, but, you know, here we are, 20 episodes in, and you're still listening to us. That's a good sign. I think that Um, means we're doing something good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is that good? Uh, It might be. Uh, You know, as always, I am joined today by Connor. Hello. And Elliot. Hey, hey. And it's a mailbag episode. We haven't done one of these in a while. It just hasn't lined up. Um, So we're going to take a couple questions here. But we have a few games to recap, including, you know, a a couple wins that perhaps weren't deserved, but they got them. And a couple losses that were most certainly, you know, losses. (laughs) They were Um, definitely deserved. uh, I mean, I will say the so we'll start here. Uh, Bruins game last week. uh, We sort of recorded the day of that game, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But they lose three nothing in that one. That being said, they, you know, put a lot towards uh, Jeremy Swayman for the Bruins. I think they outshot, you know, the Bruins like 36, you know, 23 or something. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's not like Boston. it was an easy game for Boston, but they just couldn't finish their chances, which stopped me if I've heard that before. Yeah. And I was, I said it last episode, but I'm, I'm willing to just write it off. Like it's Boston. Like I wasn't expecting a win. I, they actually played better than I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to get shelled because Boston is, again, one of the best teams in NHL history, or they're on pace to be at least. Um, but Jeremy Swayman is also on a heater right now. I think yeah. he shut uh, he shut out the Jets, and I think his next game he went and shut out another team. Um, but, yeah, they, they generated some chances. They couldn't finish. This is a story we've been telling all year. But then again, it's Boston. They're going to find ways to win because that's what they've done all year. So that's what, yeah. that's what I saw. Yep, both both of the guys already reiterated chances, no scoring, and <laughs> Boston just didn't. I I honestly actually don't think Boston played that well either. Like if I'm being quite honest, that should have. I I don't want to put any expectations on this team, but uh, they probably should have won that game. But it also just seemed like in the third period, they kind of just deflated as well at the beginning of the third. You could kind of just tell that they were kind of over that they had thrown so many pucks at the net and nothing had gone in and so they kind of just decided that yep tonight's our night and let's just end this 20 minutes and get it over with and go home so which is not and we'll probably talk a little bit more about effort um in the next couple of games that we talk about but it's not really a recipe for success especially this late in the year yeah the weird thing is though and this is this happens twice on this uh little stretch here uh weird scheduling um they play a bunch of road games, come back and play one at home against the Bruins, and lose again. Yeah. then head back out on the road to play the Predators and the Blues and then returned home to play the Coyotes last night. Uh, so the Preds game, an, an, an overtime winner, which, I mean, it's not a not expected, uh, <laughs> but, you know. It's a, it's a win, uh, one that uh, you kind of need. A, but you, you give Nashville a point who's chasing you, which is just yeah. you cannot give yeah. any leverage to them. No divisional um, opponents should be getting points at this point in the year. Yeah. I mean, the Jets are taking that to heart. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like, to be honest with you, the Jets-Preds game 
for me, I didn't actually get a chance to watch the whole thing. Uh, but from what I saw, it was just chaos. The power play still sucks. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it, it feels like a common theme and I'm, I, and to address some people who have asked us if we're repeating ourselves, we are, but that's just because they keep doing the same dumb stuff. <laughs> Look, I, I will be the first to say it. I would love to talk about other stuff on the show. I really would, but we can't because they, nothing is getting fixed. So we're, we, we'd all, I, yeah. I think I can speak for the other two guys. We'd like to talk about other things, but unfortunately there are problems that we've been talking about for now a long period of time that just haven't gotten fixed. And some of it hasn't even been addressed as a problem. It's just yeah. either yeah. considered a slump or it's just been thrown in the closet and they've locked it with 50 locks and decided to not talk about it. Yeah. I like the Nashville game. You needed a regulation win uh because of where they are in the standings and now i have no faith if you go look at nashville's lineup i have no faith that they can even put together like a decent run at the playoffs so i wasn't like it was the biggest game of the year to that point because nashville's right behind them in the playoffs and they had games in hand and all that um but then it didn't really turn out that way because there was a loser point and nashville got a point anyways the jets got a point it was a one point game instead of a two uh so yeah but then they followed it up with the blues who I don't necessarily say they're a better team than Nashville currently constructed. Um, and as soon as I saw Joel Hofer was making his fourth career start and he's from Winnipeg, I said, the Jets have lost. This game is over. Like, the, like the, the, of course, of course he did. This is like, this has been a Jets theme for the last decade. Scott Foster. This random goalie comes in. It's <laughs> making his, like, within his first five starts of his career, he's getting a shutout on the Jets. Oh, like, lock it in. Especially or e or, like... Oh, no, that, like, absolutely. It's all um, that, or, like, milestone goals. Milestones, yeah. Uh, it's oh, always absolutely. against the Jets. But they... This was, like, a carbon copy of the Boston game, where, I, I like, I'd say they got better chances in the Boston game, just from what I saw. I don't know about the expected goals and all that, but the Blues game, it's, like... Hofer and I guess Thomas Grice had like a save, um, but they had like 34 yeah. or 33 uh, as a tandem. I'd only say about like six or seven of those were like actually good chances and good saves uh, yeah. against the Blues as well. Could have threatened them more. Tory Crew got tossed like five or ten minutes into the game. So they that lost like their second best situation. defenseman. Best second best defenseman, however good you think Justin Falk is. But uh, that you when a team is making a start or their fourth career goalie, and they lose their best defenseman uh, within the first ten minutes. You got to win that game, yeah, uh, yeah. and they don't. They don't even score a goal. Uh, and then it kind of puts a, a like you you give Nashville a loser point, and then you lose the next night. It just kind of puts puts it all under an umbrella, and it doesn't look good. Yeah. Th- those two games it doesn't yeah. look good. No. It it was that was interesting. I don't even want to get into the Tory Krug situation. That was just like yeah. I. I don't even know what you can call that. I, I, to be honest, I was laughing. I was watching the game and I just started laughing. I was like, "What, what's going on? What are we like? What are we really doing here?" Yeah. I mean, the Blues bench seemed to agree with Krug, so I, yeah, it was what it was. I don't think it was anything crazy, but also a little bit slightly biased perspective, potentially could be clouding my <laughs> judgment. I, I, I try not to. I try to be. If if it's a bad hit, then I will admit it. But it didn't seem that bad to me. But no, no I thought that the Jets were kind of so so. I thought they were way. I thought they were better in the Bruins game, 
but they nothing came of it. I didn't think they were, I thought they were okay in this game. I didn't think they were that great. There were points again, and we've, I mentioned a little bit earlier, there's been issues with um, effort and trying to have them sustain, like where you just body language, body mm. language and guys making plays. Like you can tell guys, some guys are playing harder than others. I'm not going to call any people, players out. I'm not going to pinpoint anybody because it's at some points it's different guys and other points it's others. Mm -hmm. And so there's just been effort problems that I've just been noticing where even just body language where guys are going to the bench, they look dejected. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm watching the bench and it's just kind of like guys are sitting there and they sulk or like it, it just, or some, they, somebody like, I don't even know. It's, it's to the point where it's kind of becoming a real problem. And we saw it at, practice before the Arizona game that Scott Billick had a complete thread about the comments the players were making yeah. and the what he seemed to notice while he was at the practice and, and so at the Arizona game too uh yeah. bonus in the post game said that in the second period the bench went silent um we can talk about the Arizona game now it's a good transition yeah. um but they win this game 2-1 they come out flying in the first period I was at this game I was like this is the start they finally like they score a shorthanded Great play by Morgan Baird. Nice pass by Neil Pionk up to Morgan Baird. Nikolai Ehlers, individual effort. Great start. Yep. And then they just completely throw the game to Connor Hellebuck and say, bail us out after the first period. Like, they, they're attacking. They're forechecking hard. Um, and then you can just tell that they just completely trap it up. They completely go back into their shell and say, you know what? We have a two-goal lead. We are – for." 40 minutes left in the game, we're going to try to protect this. Not like two minutes left in the Coyotes have an empty net. No, they're trying to protect the two-goal lead 40 minutes out yeah. and really didn't threaten much. They went over over on the power play. I don't know how many power plays they had. I lost count at one point. It's um, been over 19, so that's the number been, that keeps. Yeah, and Connor Hellbuck makes some amazing saves, the one where he's literally on in the corner and he sticks his stick out. It's just weird. <laughs> that was just a weird, great save. But yeah. There's, they just went into the to a shell, and Connor Hellebuck bailed them out. And it's just, all right, against Arizona, I'd like to see them keep attacking, go up two more goals, and then you can go into your shell if, if you're up four. Um, but then again, Arizona's been sneaky good lately. They've gotten points in like eight straight games or something coming into uh, last night's game. But I just don't like the philosophy there because you can so visibly see that they just took a step back and went, all right, we're up to, we're good. Let's just protect this. And it's like, no, keep going, keep going. Yep. Well, and the issue too, and once again, reiterating this, it's the same cycle of, oh, things aren't working. Let's put together guys that we know have not worked together. Like it's these weird lineup blender things that never actually yeah. make sense. Uh, there's one line that has not been put back together yet with Connor Dubois and Ehlers best line that the Jets have had all season has not mm -hmm. seen the ice together in months. No. No. So like at some point, like I, I need to know why bonuses being like, I don't want to go to this line because everything that he puts together clearly has not been the, you know, the answer to their offensive woes, because I think they're up to like, uh, I think it's only six of the past, like 22 games. I think they have uh, th uh, like three or more goals, which, you got to. I was saying this to Connor yesterday. You have to score more than three occasionally because, as we've seen here, Hellebuck can't bail you out all the time because you're not scoring enough. Yeah, he can and only do the, so much. 
yeah, the line blender that you're talking about, it seems like he's going out of his way to not put that line together because yeah, I, I can't even count how many games where they start with a lineup and by the third period it's changed. But it's it's like just a weird mix of players together and it's never Connor Dubois either. It's like you would think like if he's just throwing a line blender out there that he would stumble into Connor Dubois Ehlers and maybe they'd light it up for a period and he'd be like, oh, I'll go back to that line that Not worked even, like, a month close. and a half ago. But it's 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 always Ehlers, Ehlers moving down or up and Connor moving down or up and never on the same line. Uh, and that line has been dynamite and we've all said it, but they, they've in a huge scoring slump as of late. You can't win every game 2-1. You can't play the Arizona Coyotes every game. Yeah. Uh, the, you got to put that line together for, for a scoring boost. And then the power play, we, can't even really get started with that because it's it's beyond broken at this point. Be prepared for an episode by itself just about yeah. The power Talk about like, that for an hour and a half. The power play, yeah. all these yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's I, the thing. Like we yeah. could dedicate like an entire segment. Like, we should just go live every time they go to the power play, just so uh, we can like <laughs> yeah. live analyze it to see them not scoring. You would see uh, me fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. like quick two minute nap we, with the timer on. <laughs> we go down to Anaheim, just a notoriously bad team, and can't get anything going. That says a lot about what's going on right now. Calgary beat Anaheim 5-1 last night. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Yep. I I don't know. In terms of the line blender, I'm, I'm kind of coming to the realization, and I don't know if you two are or if any of our listeners are too when they look at the lines. I'm now wondering if there are specific lines that Bones has figured out that are working and he's doing a really silly tactic of just quote unquote, saving them for the playoffs. So teams can't no. scout the line. I think you're giving him too much credit. That'd, that'd be I, I know that's raining way too much. I know. Yeah. And I may be giving him too much credit, but that <laughs> from my perspective, that's what, just what it looks like. I don't know how many times I've tweeted this year. You can go check on my Twitter account saying, can we please go back to the lines that worked? I know there's a player injured, but we traded for mm. one that, is probably they play different play styles yeah but i'm sure you can put him in a different role and i'm sure the lines would still fit i don't think we need to keep like we don't need to keep throwing all the all of our freezer stuff from like all of our frozen fruits from the freezer and our almost expired yogurt into a blender and and we make a smoothie of lines like i don't think we need to be doing this every game too every game. yeah like and it's not even like well, other than the Blues to Arizona game where the lines didn't work and then he went with the same lines for last night until he changed them. But <laughs> when I, they I, didn't like... work, he stuck with them. But when they worked, he changed them. Uh, and that's the problem. That's what he's doing. When the lines don't work, he goes, hmm, let's keep these lines because they're not working. So maybe they they'll fight through it. They maybe they'll figure it. themselves out. And, it's, and then we get to the third period and he goes, Oh, I guess these aren't working, so let's make some changes. Like what? Let's put Pionk with Morrissey. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Let, let let's completely tank Morrissey's value for. I will say I don't know if the stats back this up. Someone can check and tell me that I'm wrong on Twitter. But I thought Neil Pionk actually played an outstanding game last night against Arizona. We oh, hate I... on him a lot on this podcast. So I wanted to say I thought he played really well. He had the really nice pass to Barron uh, for the Lowry goal. He saved the goal when Hellebuck made that save because he was the one that broke up the shot and didn't let the guy raise it, basically. Uh, and I just thought he was winning more puck battles than usual. But that's just, I thought he played I don't know if quite the stats well last night. Up. I don't know. 
I thought he played quite well last night. I did see a lot of Twitter ripping on him last night. Think apparently <laughs> saying that he played his worst game of the season last night. So I I don't know. Well, that's just a regular. That's just a regular. <laughs> that's so a regular yeah, it's probably just a normal Neil Piot game. But I <laughs> I. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I'm very interested to see, especially after Connor, like you said, bonuses comments last night about the mm. bench going. Like, I want to know what happened for the bench to go completely silent. Yeah, That's I think comment I really want to know about. Like, I think he said something about like momentum being halted because uh, the they they got on a penalty kill early or something and they gave up the goal and then it was just like kind of def- defeated and then the third period they, they they he said that they woke up on the bench or whatever they were mo- but more like, vocal if you want to be a playoff team that can't and and that goes for any sport if you want to be a playoff team in any sport you can't have lapses where the bench is completely silent silent and your morale is just completely dead that's the mm-hmm. sign of either a a mediocre team or b a team that's going to be at the bottom of the standings that, that that's how I view it. And so if you want to be a playoff team, you have to be playing bad and still think momentum's still on our side. We're still like they're up two nothing and then two one. You still I would I would yeah. still say that even though they got outshot in that period, I still think the momentum at for a good chunk of it was still in their favor until Arizona scored. That's when I kind of see that the momentum shifted slightly. But yeah. but even after that, like just go you have to think in your head as a competitor and as a as a professional, no, we've still got this. We're still in control. Let's go out there and yes, did they do that in the third period? Sure, but it probably shouldn't have waited until the intermission when Bones had to go in there and probably scream and yell at them, going, <laughs> "What the are we doing? Let's wake up!" Right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is what it is. But I'm very interested to see how the demeanor. That that's one thing that everyone should be watching for for this next game against Arizona yeah. is demeanor and morale on the bench on the ice and just even again comments from practices and yeah. pressers. Yeah, I um I searched up a, a a game score graph. I've got it in the in the back, Brian. If you want to let it through so I can share my screen, but I I my eyes did not deceive me. <laughs> Pionk was uh. He was, he was up there. He was up there. Him and Morgan Barron played a really good game. The Ehlers, Dubois-Wheeler line clearly had a good game. Um, oh, Connor Shifley-Nino. Yeah, Connor Shifley-Nino. Yeah, rough. Um, but Neil Pionk, he actually played pretty good. He had a 51.5% expected goal share on Bunny Puck. So, hey, that that's that was a good game for Neil Pionk. I'll stand by that take. And you know go. what? And, and I think that <laughs> we've actually seen Morgan Barron again in another chunk of games play really well. So I'm really, I'm really excited. He's I know really I, good. I know I said he was my most improved pick at the start of the year. And then we did a mid season mm. check-in and I said, he might've been like a little bit more disappointing was, than I hoped. You had but to keep faith. Had I, keep I, you faith. know what? I had to keep faith. I will say yeah. Morgan, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> still love your game. I hope that you keep this up because I do want to see him play well. Really good. I, yeah. I, and I think that he, uh, yes, were injuries and other little lineup things kind of halting his progress this season a little bit. Sure. But I think he's finally, he's figuring out, finding his groove. And I think for the jets, this is the time where guys need to find their footing here. We need to stop mm-hmm. slipping and taking two steps forward and five steps back. Cause we're not figuring out where we're going here. Yeah. Like ultimately I think, the coaching staff just has to, you know, bet on the guys that are they've they've 
the lines themselves that have actually got them success and actually remembering that just actually you know put faith in you know those guys and you know just because odds are they're gonna just do what they need to do speaking of betting the biggest <laughs> tournament in college basketball is underway and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook one of America's top rated sportsbook apps right now new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts for, for all tournament games. So, be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. I'm still putting my money on UConn to win it all. I, Connor, I know you've got some. Elliot, oh, yeah. I, I mean, KU's out, but you know, I, I know you've got faith. Uh, but, you know, you just have to sometimes just put your faith in one team and hope it's worked out so far. Uh, the rest of my brackets busted, but you know, it's that's where we're at. Uh, so just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets. If your team wins, uh, just only a DraftKings Sportsbook, code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility re restrictions apply and see show notes for details. Go UConn. Go UConn. Yeah, That's they better beat away. Arkansas. They're my national be... champion in like every every bracket. So let's I go am UConn. cheering for them against Arkansas because I don't think Arkansas deserves to be in the Sweet 16. So I wonder coming why. from the KU fan. I don't think we deserve to be in the Sweet 16 <laughs> after we blew a 12-point lead. But also, you know what? I, I said it to the guys the other day. I said the refs already won the national championship. Oh, so. my. The refs. It's always the refs. All right, let's <laughs> yeah, let's get well, a move on. Wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If uh, you know, if, if if you want to, let us know how your bracket's doing once you see this on the podcast. Uh, we can talk about that more on Twitter. Uh, but speaking of Twitter, we put out our uh, our mailbag request and got a few questions back, and some really good questions, and some that might cause us to have some sort of crisis. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're gonna start off here. Um, this is from uh, from Noah here. Do you think Chevy and ownership are reluctant to start a rebuild because they are scared that less people will, will actually go to the games? Uh, and then mentions that, um, you know, watching the young players, so Perfetti, Hanala, Lucius, Lambert, McGordy, you know, so on and so forth. It's a lot better if you know that you're, you know, sort of on that development track. It's a bit more entertaining uh, rather than, you know, having a bunch of guys, you know what you're getting, uh, but they're probably not going to go very far. Um what do you guys think? Uh, I've got a, a, several thoughts, but I'll defer to you two first. I, I, I think yes, that that is like, they are reluctant to start a rebuild because if you look at the attendance numbers, like the jets were really selling out games before COVID and you can't really like COVID who like, you can't really plan for that. But since then they haven't been selling out games like they used to um, at the start of the year when they were first in the West and there would be a good team coming in, that game would sell out. Um, but now they're they're hovering in like the the mid eighties range for attendance, uh, and I think that that's scaring some some owners some ownership people at at, at True North, uh, and they might be scared to completely tear it down uh, because people are like, oh, Connor Halbuck's my favorite player, and if they trade him away, I'm not going to go to a Jets game. Or Mark Scheifele is my favorite player, or Pierre Luc Dubois, whatever. Yeah, um, I think that that's definitely in the back of their minds. I also agree with Noah that tearing it down and watching all these young players develop would be super fun and better than this like 
mediocre on the playoff line are they going to get in if they even do they're going to get bounced in the first round by vegas or whoever right um and then two three years from now you get the payoff you you you're bad for two years you've watched these young players develop and then two three years from now you're good um the goaltending situation we don't really know but all these players theoretically develop uh and you become a better team and then that's when you get all those attendance numbers back you're selling out games you're competing uh stuff like that but i definitely think that that's that's affecting their like this summer is going to be big for that uh and the next question is about the summer and if if people get traded away but uh, I, I definitely think that that's in the back of their minds. Definitely till this point, I don't know if it'll affect them this summer, but we will see. Because if they run it back, then it's 100%. They're scared to the, the rebuild and go through two, three years of bad attendance numbers um, and have people saying like, oh, this team's bad, be in the lottery running. Like, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that that's the case. I will completely second motion what Connor just said. <laughs> I don't even know if I need to add much other than a little plug for him. Um, goaltending situation. Uh, speaking of that, <laughs> your newest Dang. hockey writer's uh article about Dominic DiVincentis, maybe he oh, is yeah. the answer. Maybe, yeah, go but, check it out. It was it was fun to research that. Thank you for the plug, Elliot. No problem. <laughs> as soon as you said goaltending, I thought, hey, there's somebody that's released yeah. an article. Also, yeah, go check out Brian's stuff, it's also, I would say, on Thanks. par as good. <laughs> I don't want to leave you both out. You, you know, Fair I, enough. I want to make enough. it as even as possible. But, yeah. you know, I, I personally think that, like, even right now, I'll equate it to basketball. My favorite team is the Houston Rockets. Are they bad? Absolutely. They have no idea how to play defense. <laughs> but they're really fun to watch. They have, they're have they the youngest team in the league. Like, Jalen Green scores a lot. Kevin Porter Jr. scores a lot. You get to watch Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, Alperin Shingun's finally breaking out, which is great, because he's my favorite player on the entire team, and he has been since he got drafted. Um, like they're fun to watch. Yes. Do the Rockets sell out every night? No, but when big names still come, you'll still get the occasional sellout or the higher attendance numbers. Maybe they would squeak down into that high sixties, low seventies range for a little bit. And the building might feel empty, but like, let's say when Crosby comes to town or Ovi or who like a good Boston comes back McDavid. next year, McDavid, yeah. those will still be back in the eighties, nineties. You'll have a full building. So I, I really, I, I understand from a management perspective why they wouldn't want to, but at the same time, you also need to consider a, as a team, not just, and I know there's been a lot of stuff recently about True North being all about the money and I won't even get into that. But if you want to be a successful hockey club, you also need to think about the team aspect. And the team aspect right now is going going with the younger core and deciding that, you know what, I think we need to take a hit financially for two seasons for it to pay off for us to really like, and that, and that's really, you, sometimes you need to take a deficit mm-hmm. to get back out ahead later. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. So in my mind, sometimes you need to just decide that, you know what, we had it with this core, didn't work. And we'll get into that question in a second here once brian's made his comments i think that it just needs to be decided that we need to take a hit we rebuild and you're probably going to make more money if you if if they think about it really hard and i don't think it's a very (laughs) difficult thing to think about i think you realize that you will make more money if you play the younger players first and it succeeds later also 
lots of people like those younger players. So if they're worried about jersey sales too, people are still going to buy the jerseys because yeah. one, this town love the people in this province in this city love hockey. So they're still going to try to come yeah. to some games and they're still going to buy jerseys and people like the players and they have good personalities. So that that's where I will leave that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm echoing a lot of what you guys are saying, but I do think it, from what we've seen in the past, um, the organization definitely has more of a preference towards making playoff pushes rather than losing money because you get that playoff money it really you know helps things that playoff money yeah absolutely you know playoff money street party money all of that um so i think there'd be hesitation purely because of that ultimately in terms of the betterment of the organization it would be better to be not terrific for a few years here uh and i'm of the mindset that you just kind of turn the the team over to the young guys and they'll probably not be great for a couple of years and you know lottery contending but lottery contending is how you get true superstars to develop so like new it, jersey it, yeah like teams that finish a couple of years down near the bottom get those top five picks suddenly in a few years they're like oh they're contending again because they've got really good talent uh the jets have not aside from kind of lucking into that number two pick uh, for line a where they actually jumped up in the lottery, they don't finish anywhere lower than like middle of the pack. No. Uh, Like seventh, I guess I think was the earliest uh, other than the line. A one with Shifley. Yeah. Um, So it's like, that wasn't even our, like, I don't even know if I'd count that because I was the thrashers at that point. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like they went like, that wasn't even us. It was like eight or nine with Ehlers, I guess then. So I guess so. Yeah. Um, But no, like in order to actually, you know, be good eventually, occasionally you have to be bad. You can't just try and maintain mediocre as you, you know, roll through a new core because mediocrity is not going to get you anything for the future. You're just giving your, your young guys a chance to play, but you're not giving the team a chance to get, you know, you know, that talent that you can develop because as we've well always heard, you can't attract free agents here. Right. uh, And ownership doesn't exactly make the biggest, uh, you know, you know, you know, confidence in trade splashes. It's always, you know, put the confidence in the GM and it's got us that the, the most, you know, mediocre of, you know, big names. Like there were good trades at the time, but it's like you, you had some point or another, you either have to be aggressive on that front, uh, somehow find a way to lure a free agent or find a way to get a top five pick because otherwise yeah. it's, you're going to be stuck somewhere middling in the middle there. So it's, yeah. I will make one last point on this is when the jets were bad, when they came here, the games were selling out. Uh, but that's, that's mainly because, Oh, new hockey team, new city. Yeah. They're going to sell out. Right. I will say I went to a preseason game against the Edmonton Oilers this year. All the young guys are playing. Brad Lambert was skating circles around the Edmonton Oilers. That was one of the most fun games preseason or regular season that I've been to this year. I've been to, I've been lucky enough to go to a decent amount of the games. And that's been one of the, that I enjoyed myself probably like top five games uh, was that preseason game against the Edmonton Oilers where Brad Lambert was flying up and down the ice just because it's fun to watch an 18-year-old kid light up the NHL. It was like, that's pretty cool. And 
<laughs> I was at that game. The crowd was, I wasn't the only one enjoying it. Like the crowd was really into it. Every time he touched the puck, it was like Nikolai Ehlers. You could hear the crowd like, oh, he's, he's, he's flying down the ice. Like th- th- this, this city would get behind a young core like that. Yeah. Like I have no, no, um, like I, I trust that, that this city would absolutely do that because even if they're bad, again, Brad Lambert's going to have three or four flashes a game. That's going to make it worth the price of admission. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, on that note too, uh, I guess another way you can acquire futures would be to deal guys on expiring contracts. So couple come to mind and this is from uh, julian here uh where uh it was essentially what are our realistic uh returns for uh dubois shifley and hellebuck um i hate uh, especially after uh this year because i got i lost my read on what players are worth um yeah. i don't like doing mock trades because i i'm typically so wrong uh that being said uh, it's hard to imagine a world where there isn't a first round pick coming back in all of these deals. Yeah. 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 Um, especially. So th- the issue here is you're kind of handcuffed with what you've heard on the Dubois front, because you know that Montreal is the preferred Montreal. destination. So if you're another team, why would you want to shell out assets? If you know, he's probably going to want to leave again. Uh, that being said, Montreal, it, I could see maybe I, I saw this on Twitter um, and I agreed with it where for Dubois it was uh, a first and Kirby doc. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best you're going to get. Yeah. I said like three or four episodes ago when we had uh, Jacob Stoller on that, if Dubois is going to Montreal, I want Kirby doc back. He's, he got traded for uh, Kevin Korczynski. It was a first round draft pick who ended up being Kevin Korczynski for in the first round, I think. Or he might have been the later first, actually. I don't know what I'm saying. It was that uh, weird Doc, deal with uh, Romanov yeah. going to uh, oh uh, New York maybe. as well. Montreal made a million moves at the draft, which yeah. I like. They were aggressive. Uh, but Kirby Doc, young center who's playing a lot better this year than he ever has in his career. Um, and again, you get a first round pick. Montreal, are they Pierre-Luc Dubois away from being a playoff contender? Probably not. That's probably a decent uh, first round pick, especially if it's next year. Um, or the year after, whatever. Yeah. But I, I think that's a, a good starting point. It's the kind of deal, and this is how you know that this is the best trade proposal, is that both sides hate it. Yeah, The Jets fans are like, oh, Montreal needs to add to that. A Kirby Doc in a first? Oh, you got to add to that. And Montreal fans are like, we're not giving up that much for Dubois. That's terrible. Or it's like, oh, you guys are going to have to add to that. You guys are going to have to add Hanela or whatever, a, another younger prospect. Yeah. Uh, so that's how you know it's a great deal. Um, but yeah, Kirby Doc in a first, I think is, is a starting point and I would be kind of happy with that. Um, just to start with Dubois. Yeah. For me, realistically, any of these trades are either a first and a B prospect or a younger player that has some upside or, and like a prospect and a second or a third. That's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. It's, you're not going to get like the farm for any like I think for Hellebuck you can get the farm. I honestly think Me- for Shifley, uh, with a year of control on a team friendly deal with I'd think Shifley's better suited being dealt at the deadline, actually, to a team that like um like one of their top six centers is out uh like like the Leafs. They went for Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Uh, and he got that, like that would first, probably yeah. Right. But um, 
I think Shifley has more perceived value around the league than Ryan O'Reilly, especially since O'Reilly was kind of having a down year and he's like, he's older now. Um, but Shifley, he'll be 30, 31. Again, team-friendly contract. A lot of teams will be able to fit him under the cap. We've seen the broker system. Yeah. Uh, you can just funnel that contract through Arizona if it doesn't work. Um, but I think if you're looking at it, uh, Shifley might get more of a return at the deadline. Hellbuck in the offseason uh, for a team like LA um, or whatever team is looking for a goalie to really take a young core to the next level, I think New Jersey they just traded for Timo Meyer. That probably wouldn't be a good spot, but yeah, he, I think Detroit. you could get the farm. I think, yeah, Detroit, I think you could get the farm. Yeah. Detroit. I think they'd just wait and sign him in UFA, roll the dice yeah. on that. But yeah, I, I think Hellebuck, you can get the farm for in the off season in terms of like, you can get a first, uh, probably another good prospect and maybe a goalie prospect. Uh, Shifley. Yeah. Again, a first, maybe a B prospect, maybe a one and a three or a one and a two Dubois, Kirby Doc and a one. Those, those would be my three ideal returns for those guys. Well, my thing, though, is for the Hellebuck deal, there's really not a whole lot to go off of. because There's no precedent. There's no, there's no precedent. precedent. No yeah. one just trades a, a star goalie. That's the goalies. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm like, I it'll either be higher than what we expect or lower because it's either like, I mean, you'd have to go back you know, into the nineties probably to actually find like a, a, a good deal, but that's also like totally different league landscape yeah. and everything. Oh, 100%. Uh, teams are so like against making these like player for player deals and, you know, swinging yeah. big. Um, so it's, I don't know. I, I just, I feel as if the return is going to be underwhelming purely because of what uh, we've actually been able to see from Hellebuck over these last years. And I have a feeling like I, I there's going to be firsts involved. There's going to be probably a top prospect, but I think I could say the same for that, you know, for, you know, the Shifley deal too, because of, as yeah. you said, perceived value is fairly high. And yeah. especially if it's done in the, the off season, which if I'm the jets, I try and do if you get the offers because mm -hmm. you could definitely get a, a better, you know, handle on things with having a full, you know, chance for teams to actually, sign them or whatever right right if i'm any yeah. contending team from this season or a team that's potentially looking to contend next year i'd probably be calling the jets after this season as soon as the season's over their season's over i like obviously pure luke was probably off the table because i'm assuming he'll go to montreal unless those teams or unless teams decide that they want to see if they can swing at him but if i'm any other gm that has a quote-unquote contending roster i would be calling up chevy immediately and going Hey, I know you guys are in mediocrity right now and are going absolutely nowhere. Uh, who do you have for offer for us? And and I'm sure that they could make a deal. That that would be if I was any other GM. But again, I'm an Archer GM, so I. This isn't fantasy hockey. Yeah, come on, come on. This isn't fantasy hockey, man. Get a grip. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah I gotta go sign another bottom six forward uh, that only plays defense for. Well, this is actually a good segue point here because of the way we're talking about the team right now. Um, yeah, we, we very often wind up speaking about the Jets in a very negative light because that we feel as if they were, you know, they they could have done more or, uh, you know, they're it's a disappointing end to a, a you know start of a season or something like that. Um, and firstly, Please correct me on Twitter if this is not the pronunciation of your name. I want to make sure because you, 
you know, faithful listener. Uh, uh, I, but uh, I believe it's, is it Majin? I believe um, on Twitter uh, asked us, this is, it's, it took a lot of inward looking here. Will yeah. we ever reach a point where we'll actually feel safe to believe in this team? Whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah. So do we want, I, I can go first. Go ahead. Elliot. Go, ahead. Um, go ahead. I have one comment and it's not very difficult. It's if management changes the way that they view how, how the organization is run slash how they want things to go. That, that's really all I have to say. Because if this path continues, then we're going to be in the same situation with a new core or at this point with the same core. So yeah. for me, unless management decides to make a change, I don't really know if I'm going to have a long-term faith in this organization. But now my perception yeah. was changed at the beginning of this season because of how we started. But again, Long-term outlook, bleak. Yeah. Like, my take on this is that the one year they did good, 2017-18, coming into that season, not a lot of people predicted them to go to the Western Conference Finals. So going into the season, that's how I'm viewing this question. It's like going into the season, do I feel faith that they're going to make the playoffs, etc.? That season really didn't know uh, and then they come, they come off the Western Conference Finals, and then you think you're safe, uh, and then they make the playoffs next year, but then lose in the first round to St. Louis, and then from then on, it's just been playoff series, wins, losses, they beat Edmonton, whatever. Um, but the one time that we thought we were like safe to like, oh, this team's going to contend this year, they lost in the first round because they were coming off the huge year, uh, and then... Yeah, St. Louis beat them in six. I don't think that'll, like, unless they make a huge jump. Uh, but then again, coming off that year, you would think, right? Like, if they if they finish next year, if they completely retool and they're the best team in the league and, they're, and then they lose in the Western Conference Finals, are you feeling safe going into next year? Because this has happened once before, right? You never know. Um, so I'm at the point where it's a, it's a no. Uh, I've never, like, going into a season been like, yeah, this team's going to win two playoff series um, that has changed throughout the course of the year. Like earlier in the season, I said this team would win two playoff series. Uh, I don't think that anymore. Um, but again, I, I'm kind of viewing this question as like a going into the season kind of thing. And my answer would be no, I don't think I could ever feel safe predicting this team to win playoff series going into a season with the same core, like Elliot said. Yeah. My, my, my outlook on it is this um, as long as that sort of because i mean we've had the same effectively the same management group since uh coming back to winnipeg yeah, yeah. and normally in the league if you have 12 years of not of, of having, having really only one legitimate playoff run there's a, a changing of the guards a little bit whether it's you promote someone from within someone steps away you fire someone whatever Normally with other teams, that's just how it goes, because if someone's hanging around for that long, they've probably tried like actually come close to winning something. Um, there's only been once, really. Uh, yeah. The expectations need to be raised. It shouldn't just be we make the playoffs. It should be uh, a challenge for a cup should like just raise the bar. 
And I'm worried that uh, I'm at the same point too, where you guys said, where I don't feel safe to believe in the team because I just don't know if the bar is raised enough for, uh, for them to consistently have the idea of, Oh, we want to make this team good enough to compete for a cup. Um, I think something, and this has never been confirmed, but there's been a lot of talk that uh, ownership has been very hands-on since they uh, the Jets came back. And I think ultimately, if that is the case, uh, because I'm starting to believe it is purely because if it wasn't, ownership would probably would have said, ah, that's enough of you, Kevin Chevalier off. We haven't done anything. Um, but clearly they're convinced that their the vision is set. They gave him a three-year deal recently, I believe. Um, yeah. So... I think if you're going to actually find the success, uh, hand the reins of the operations of it all over to a president of hockey ops. Um, something that really hasn't been, you know, on the docket for the jets. It's always just been, you know, general manager, assistant general manager, and Chevy kind of runs the whole, the whole spiel up there. Um, because I think right now, uh, first of all, I think a new GM is required. Uh, at some point uh, in the next, you know, several months, uh, yeah. especially after what went down at the deadline there. Yeah, I don't know, because this is such a big off season, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, every off season is it's the summer of Chevy. That's a lot of people say, um, but we'll see, because are they going to hand this situation where either they have to sell off all these os- assets or go all in i guess like i don't know what the plan is this offseason or run the course run it back last dance whatever uh but are they gonna hand hand the keys to a new gm uh and then have them run the course i don't know well that's i think the issue is i i don't think anyone can confidently say that there's a visible plan in place i think the the nino deal means they're gonna run it back next year yeah because it's a two-year deal that's my take. Like, I think, I think that's the the vision. Is they've they've got if they, if they stumble out of the gate six year, then they'll trade everyone at the deadline kind of thing. But they still yeah. have Dubois under team control uh, for one more year. Uh, they've got Shifley. They've got Hellbuck for one more year. Wheeler for one more year. I think the Nino deal being with term. You know, you heard that name, uh, heard that word a million times at the deadline. He's yeah. got this year and next year. I think that that's the that's their plan. Is we're going to compete in the next two years. And then, and bonuses contract, I believe is this year, yeah. next year as well. Yeah. So it's a two-year I, think, deal. Yeah, I think they're running it back next year. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, and to answer the question, I will not feel safe. Believing I don't in this feel team safe next ever. Year. No, <laughs> we may turn into a moose podcast. Ooh, I would like that. I would like Which that. We're, we're going to be doing that soon, by the way, we're doing a little a bit check-in. of a, oh, yeah. a moose check-in because they are, they are contending. Um, yeah. so yeah, we did it a few weeks back with, uh, with Jacob, but, uh, we'll do a little bit more of one coming up here, but, uh, on that cheerful note, um, yeah. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, jets head down to California for a couple of games. Uh, so make sure you drink your coffee, stay up late. Yeah. Um, and remember but- mediocrity is success. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah so yeah we appreciate you uh, all listening um appreciate the support we got on last week's episode uh Mm -hmm. because that was that was a lot of fun looking forward to bringing more guests on you know the coming weeks but uh from all of us here thanks again uh for everyone's support so from connor and from elliot i hope everyone has a, a great rest of your week and go jets go jets
Go Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 